0: Hey everybody, and welcome back to Coaching Confidence. This episode, we will be continuing our cultural comparison series, and we'll be talking about two legendary coaches who not only impacted the trajectory of their game, who coached some of the most beautiful, insanely talented talents to ever step into their game, but some coaches who were also legendary talents within their own right. We'll be talking about none other than Frank Reichard and mark jackson let's hop on in so for those of you who don't know frank reichard was the coach who debuted messi in 2004 he coached barcelona from 2003 to 2008 And he was a phenomenal player in his own right. He was a Dutch player born in Holland. Um, His family's actually from Suriname, right? it's a small South American country right above Brazil. And yeah, I mean, his stats speak for themselves. This man had three Champions Leagues as a player. Um, He came third in the Ballon d'Or twice, three times voted player of the league, he won multiple major european titles he won a fourth champions league as a coach he was voted in fifa's top 100 players as well as uefa's top 100 players this man is a phenomenal just just a hoss man like he 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 defined what it meant to be a defensive mid he was like casemiro mixed with virgil van dyke mixed with Kevin De Bruyne, like this man could literally play anywhere up the center of the pitch. He was so strong, so fast, so coordinated. So, as I was saying, yes, he was just an absolute complete unit in the middle of the pitch. Redefined what it meant to be a center defensive mid, amazing IQ, passing, ability to lead a counterattack. And all of this started from his youth back in back in the streets of Amsterdam. He moved with his families from Suriname at a very young age, and started playing street soccer in Amsterdam, where he met his like longtime brother and friend um, Rude Hilt. And for those of you guys who don't know, that's another Dutch soccer player, very well known as well, an amazing soccer talent. Um, both of them actually grew up in Amsterdam playing street soccer together, and eventually Frank Rijkaard was picked up by Amsterdam, their like local team, their actual like football club. And he was picked up at the age of eight. He stayed with them for nine years. Where at the age of 17, I believe, he debuted under Johan Cruyff, and it was an amazing game. Like this man scored two goals in his debut stunned the ix managers everybody was like wow who is this defensive mid who's scoring two goals locking everybody down on defense playing a full 90 minutes and barely sweating at the end of the game so it wasn't even just like his defensive prowess that was impressive it was his stamina his passing ability his scoring prowess he was an amazing player um he stayed at ix actually for a couple years after that uh where he kind of just got comfortable and was able to to truly learn and revel in his role as a, a defensive mid during this time he won IX three league titles um man yeah he, he he was a monster he won two golden shoes and it was like the golden shoes was the the players of the league had to vote who was the best player in the league and so everybody and Netherlands agreed that yeah this man frank reichardt was the best player in the league and that was all by the age of 24 like three league titles two times best player of the league this man was a a boss um but anyways after that um he was 24 at this was his last season in ix because he actually got into a argument with his coach uh, Johan cruyff and i keep mentioning the coaches, because some of these coaches are very, very influential people who changed the game. Like Johan Cruyff is a Dutch player who revolutionized what it meant to be a soccer player. Him, as well as like Sir Alex Ferguson, these people came in and changed the training regimen, the diet of soccer players, what it meant to 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 have like to to control the ball and different ways of controlling the ball. It, they're just phenomenal players and I'll probably dive into their legacy like a long and different day but yes anyways Frank Rikard actually was able to play under him during his time at Ajax they got into this huge argument about kind of like the future of the club where it was going um Eventually, Frank left the club. He kind of said, I didn't want to play for Ajax anymore. Johan actually still respected the guy. Johan was like, I mean, I love Frank Reichardt. He didn't say love him, but he said he still had much respect for him. He said that Frank Reichardt was actually, in his eyes, ranked higher than Rudhilt, which everybody thinks Rudhilt is like one of the best defenders of all time. So for Johan Cruyff one of the best players of all time, point blank period to say that Frank Rijkaard in his eyes was better than his brother that he had he had seen both of them is like a huge accomplishment. So um anyways, after that uh 24 years old the young man traded and went to AC Milan to join up with that said brother rude hilt as well as marco van bastion two dutch superstars and this just made ac milan amazing i mean they were amazing at this point in time they were winning they had the top like this i'll explain everything they did but let me let me just give you this they had the top three ballon d'or winners in voting two years in a row. Now let me tell you a little bit about AC Milan. So let me just tell you, AC Milan during this time were untouchable. I mean, they were called the Black Tulips, the three Dutchmen put together, Marco Van Bastien, Ruud Hilt, and Frank Reichard. Marco van Bastian was a dominant striking threat, played right up the middle. Ruud van Hiltz was a powerful, speedy midfield maestro, amazing passes, all of that great stuff, and great recovering the ball as well. And then you had Frank Reichardt, defensive midfield, juggernaut, solid and graded passing, I mean, at every level. Whether you're in the attacking third, the midfield third, or the defensive third, you had to go up against one of the top players in their position in that area. And that just, no team got a break. From 1988 till 1993, that was the times where Frank Reichardt was there, Um, AC Milan won two Serie A titles, two Champions Leagues, two Italian Super Cups, two Euro Super Cups, two Intercontinental Cups, and he won Serie A Player of the Year once. In those five years, that's insane. Like I don't, I don't think you guys understand how crazy that is. Um, yeah, one year during uh, 1991, 1992, their team AC Milan scored 74 goals as a team in 31 games. Marco van Basten scored 25 of those goals. So just just wrap your head around that. Most teams can't score a goal a game. Or if they do, their expected goals per game are around 1, 1.2. Rarely do you see a team with two, three expected goals per game. That's like a really rare thing. This team not only scored more than two goals a game on average, but this one player scored more than most other entire teams did that season. So yeah that's just to give you a little glimpse of what ac milan did after all of that sadly the team broke down marco van bastion had to get some surgeries um i think rude hilt went somewhere i know frank reichard ended up leaving he went back to Ajax on kind of like a um nostalgia tour not even really a nostalgia tour because I mean when this man went back to Ajax in 1994 like his first year they won the Eredivisie league and then the very next year they went back um and they went up to the Champions League they yeah so Eredivisie league back to back and then the next year he that same year that they won the Eredivisie league For the second time. He went all the way to the Champions League finals up against the AC Milan team he just left and helped IX win that. So I mean this guy was a was a monster. Wherever he went, they won. Like he was a complete monster so that's just a little bit about his playing career just to show you that he was a dominant force after Ajax he like slowly retired he didn't really like playing stuff after that he had won everything that you needed to win like all over the world so he really didn't have to do that um yeah that's just a little bit about Frank Reichardt's playing career So three years later, Frank Reichardt kind of popped back up on the scene as the manager of Netherlands, um, his home country. And ooh, excuse me. so he got this opportunity because he was a winner, of course, obviously. But he also studied under some of the best international managers of all time. And Johan Cruyff, the Dutch manager and Dutch player, I told you, worked with Barcelona as well as Frank Reichardt. He also worked under Louis van Gaal, the Dutch manager who helped lead Ajax when he was playing to that Champions League final. And mind you, that Champions League final that he won with Ajax was the only team ever in history, Louis van Gaal was successful to do do this, the only team to ever go undefeated in their league games as well as in a Champions League um, campaign so they won that Champions League campaign, beat AC Milan, Frank Reichhardt's old team. And that was a back-to-back Air title while going undefeated. So a lot of really great coaching had to go into that. Um, lastly, he, w- he was under uh, Ari Konse- Konseki. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce that guy's name. But yeah, so he was coaching Netherlands. He was eventually able to lead the Netherlands to like a 2000 Euro semifinal didn't really work out too well um his style of play was very very attack-minded very quickly uh, like counter-attacking and trying to force the ball into the other team's side as a which is weird i mean he was like a defender so like most people thought his teams would be like defensively oriented but as a defender I guess like and me personally I mean I know as a defender it gets exhausting having to go up against a, an offense for 90 minutes that can move the ball well and if your team isn't defensively helping and securing that for a full 90 minutes your defenders are going to get tired and if your defenders get tired then you can hammer in some goals be it in the 70th and 80th minute um, there'll always be another opportunity so maybe that's why he did it suffice to say that Dutch national team wasn't able to do what he was kind of trying to build and so the the two didn't mesh that well um his style of coaching didn't really mesh with that team but people saw that he was successful i mean he was still able to get them to a semi-final with a team that was his first time taking over and that was like he wasn't able to pick the team they were just like given to him you know so He bounced around a little bit and was eventually picked up by Barcelona in 2003. This is because that same coach I mentioned earlier, Johan Cruyff, the amazing Dutch player who also coached at Barcelona, coached at Barcelona. And so they had that Dutch heritage where they know, okay, he worked under Johan Cruyff. He studied under Johan Cruyff as a player. They're both Dutch. Maybe he'll be a good fit. He work, He's coaching now. We see him working with the Dutch national team. We see his style of play. It fits our players. Let's bring him in and try it out. And so they did. At this point in time, Barcelona was not doing too well. Um, they were, I think they were like eighth or ninth or something in the league um, continuously for like the last four years. They just weren't doing that well. Um, they still did have a lot of really good talent. They they had Ronaldinho, they had just brought in Ronaldinho. So they were trying to kind of sway and get back to the upper leagues, but they weren't quite there yet. They still were missing that key component. And that was the coach, Frank Reichardt. Frank came in, changed the whole thing around, man. He created a counter-attacking, quick-pressing team that focused on quick short press passes and a high counter-press a ton a ton a ton a ton of attacking uh, transitions and sequences consistently putting pressure on that other team so as soon as you mess up one time you're getting scored on and their ability to continuously put that pressure on score two or three goals consecutively every game very much like frank Rijkaard's team did in ac milan i don't know if you guys are seeing that that connection there But he was able to see that success in AC Milan and bring it to Barcelona. Keep hammering people. Which is very much very similar to the way Golden State started to play under Steve Kerr. Maybe not Mark Jackson quite there yet, but under Steve Kerr. Mark Jackson was a little bit against that. We'll talk about that later. But yeah. Eventually game started to get faster he was picking up the pace hammering on them and i mean this guy he was able to after they saw and put a little bit of trust into mark jackson this guy brought in some of the most amazing talents known to world soccer ever creating very possibly the best soccer team ever but the barcelona that we all dream about and we know today the barcelona that took over social media youtube all these things Facebook that were popping up, all the clips and stuff. This man brought in Xavi, Iniesta, Messi, Thierry Henry, um, Samuel Eto'o, Pedro, Deco. Oh my goodness, so many more. Edgar Davids. Um, man, just so many top, top tier talents. Eventually, of course, with all that talent and a good coach, he was able to bring Barcelona up from that lower level level all the way up to like first or second in the league um also what was super phenomenal that he was able to do in his second year he was able to win at the San Siro which was like uh the at the time that was Real Madrid Stadium I'm sorry the Bernabeu he was able to win at the Bernabeu which is Real Madrid Stadium twice in the season and that had never been done by a coach before him that was only his second season there so everybody really loved what he was able to do with barcelona he was taking them very far however however after taking barcelona to the heights that that he could taking them to the champions league winning the domestic cup um bringing on Messi, and then just having all this this wealth of talents eventually the barcelona management felt as if he wasn't pursuing and trying to make the team any better they felt as if he was getting lackadaisical and that his ambiance started to rub off on the on the players his aura his energy around camp and they they felt as if the team was getting lazy and started to fall off so as soon as they saw a little bit of a drop they kicked frank out I don't necessarily know if that is the truth. Um, nobody really even talked about that. A lot of people from that old Barcelona team still have great praise for Frank Reichard and only say good things about him. They never even really got to test that theory. Uh, he was kind of just out there like quickly as soon as um, Josep Mart i'm sorry as soon as joseph guardiola was like of age everybody kind of knew him and that man came in boom and took over right in 2007 so they never really even got had like a bad drop off it wasn't like a bad season or anything but i mean that's this kind of the same thing that happened to mark jackson sometimes it's some behind the back office scenes things where you may not get along with this person you may not get along with the management and stuff they just want you gone Anyways, Frank Reichardt was gone, sadly. Um, After that, I believe he went to Turkey and coached out in Turkey for a couple years. Um, Nothing major, didn't do anything major after that. And then after that, he kind of just stepped away from soccer. After winning everything from becoming a third best player, like voted third best player in the world twice, to being voted... The best player in multiple leagues up to five times to winning four champions league between being a player and a coach i mean I, I get it i i get it so he decided to step away from soccer and yeah sadly he put together one of the best teams in history and he was only able to see that team for one maybe two years but that's the sport we live in let's talk a little bit about mike mark jackson Mark Jackson had a very similar story. He was a very strong, upstarting youth who got a chance to coach because of his great skill as a player and sadly got the floor or the rug pulled right from under him. Mark Jackson is one of the best NBA point guards in NBA history. When you hear, when you think of who the best point guard is, you'll often hear names thrown around like Magic Johnson, Steph Curry, Isaiah Thomas, Oscar Robertson. But in all reality and all honesty, Mark Jackson has passed all of those guys, at least on the assist leader boards. He's second only to John Stockton. So that shows not only amazing talent, but longevity in the game. Before I dive into telling you a little bit about his early career and how we came to know him today with the Warriors, listen to this quote said by none other than Charles Barkley. He was saying, hey, I'm coaching for my life here and that kind of thing. I have no idea why he was coaching for his life. You know, they made the playoffs one time in 17 years before he got there. And he got him to the playoffs back-to-back years. Some of those guys up top and some of those guys with him didn't have his back. And he has to take some responsibility for that. But I thought him getting fired was 100% not unfair. This is really interesting because now we live in a time where we have social media where questions like this would, would arise. I mean... Back in the time where Frank Reichardt was kicked from Barcelona, yeah, there were probably questions, but it was more over just like newspaper writings. And after the newspaper was kind of pushing that along with with new news, it kind of fell on to, oh, Pep Guardiola's taking over and at least he's doing well. But the difference is now where with Mark Jackson is people are actually asking these questions like, okay, yeah, you said there was something going on in the back office. Well, what's going on? Let's talk about it. Tell us what's going on. So we'll dive into all of that a little bit later but right now let's talk about mark jackson's early childhood so let's talk about mark jackson this man was a 1980s new york streetball legend much like frank reichard mark jackson got his start in the streets um he wasn't like in any Great gym or playing on any academy team or the best Sierra Canyon team or anything like that. He grew up in the streets playing every day, every night against any competition that he could get. And the streets of New York loved it. Everybody would come out to Dykeman to watch this man play. And Because of that, after his matriculation through high school, where he also won a state championship in high school, he decided to stay in New York for college. He felt the love of the city, and he wanted to be there to represent the city and to possibly win an NCAA championship within the city, which he was able to do. Uh, He stayed and went to St. John's University, where he stayed for four years. Uh, I think he was at St. John's from 83 to 87 um during that time amazing player he actually won the assist the ncaa like all-time season assist leader in 85 86 i believe with like 328 assists um so you can see also he was like defensive player of the year um he had a ton of different like different accolades while in college but you can see that this man was insanely talented um he wasn't like very tall or like super athletic or super fast or anything. He was like 6'1", 180 pounds, like a regular sized guy. But what really kept him going was like his IQ of the game, his understanding of how to set up his teammates and just his drive, his passion. People would often talk about... Um, one thing they talked about later in his career as he was a professional was oh mark jackson has this swagger to him he'll stick out his tongue and hang on the rim and do all this other stuff and mark jackson was often quoted saying that that was just his way of hyping himself up of getting his own internal gears going so that he can tell himself i can do this i can shoot over that guy i can dunk on that guy and so those times where it didn't happen he knows that he had done it before and that he can do it again so that's a little bit about mark jackson's um early childhood eventually he went on to of course get um to make it to the nba that's why we all know him today he was drafted by the new york knicks in 1987 um and this was a a strong new york team. like they had oakley patrick ewing um they were they were already pretty solid so when he came in Mark Jackson was a the perfect fit. He didn't have to go in and be the ultimate scorer. He didn't really have to do anything but do exactly what he like loves to do. Very similar to Frank Reichardt, how he stepped into um, Ajax and was able to just learn and grow in the position that they love. Mark was able to step into the NBA and just be a point guard, find Patrick Ewing on the open dimes, pick and rolls, things like that, and able to hone his skills up against some of the best talent, right up against one of the best centers and the best teammates in the league. So, rookie year, Mark Jackson blew it out of the water. He was averaging like 13 points, 10 assists. Um, easily was able to help Patrick Ewing become the most dominant center in the league. Um, yeah it was a great rookie year i think he stayed on the the um knicks for a couple more years um after that he was eventually traded off to the clippers and he kind of bounced around a lot after that i'm not gonna lie He just traded to the clippers the pacers um eventually got traded sorry i can't remember after that he traded from the pacers again but then he got traded back to the pacers because he was on that team with reggie miller um that went up against like the bulls and stuff in um 87 i want to say um i'm sorry there's so many dates and stuff flying around through my head but yeah the reason he was able to stay in the league so long was simply because of his iq like i had said before this man wasn't a super tall super athletic like phenomenal guard or anything like that but his basketball iq and his drive were second to none he had like a little bit of that Mamba mentality, maybe not to that same, like to that same level. I believe Kobe was willing to die on the court to get a win for the Lakers. Mark Jackson, maybe not have had been to that level, but Mark Jackson had that grit in that drive where there, I w- he was from New York. And he, he had seen it all being in the streets of New York, played on the streets of New York, probably had people try to steal his basketball from him and take his shoes from him and all that other stuff. So he knew what it was like to play on the streets. He knew what it was like to be middle class and lower middle class and stuff like that. And he knew how much grind it took to get to where he was. And he wasn't going to let anybody stop him, no matter if you were Michael Jordan, or if you were the a rookie coming in off the bench. So Yeah, he was able to stay in the league because of that grit, that grind, that understanding of the game. Um, Eventually, he was able to make it back onto a team with Reggie Miller, who in this time was one of the best scorers, the best shooters. I'm not even this time in history, point blank, period. And they were able to to, um, yeah, make it like really deep into the Eastern Conference playoffs. You got like Mark Jackson actually recorded the first ever um, triple double in Eastern Conference playoff history. That was when he was playing with the Pacers with that um, Reggie Miller team. Uh, I think I think he actually recorded that against the Knicks when he went to play against the Knicks. It was like a whole thing where um, he was playing with the Pacers and the Pacers were going up against the Knicks in the playoffs. And he was like, man, like he was ready. He was ready, you know, he, he was upset. He, he understood why the Knicks traded him, but he was still a little upset having that been his home team and hometown and stuff. Um, again, another parallel to Frank Reichardt's story: going up against AC Milan uh, in the Champions League finals. Pacers were up against the Knicks in the playoffs, and this man was hungry. Left it all out on the field, destroyed the Pacers. I mean, destroyed the Knicks. Dropped a triple double on them. Eventually, of course, um, they were knocked out. But that, um, even that one playoff series, is what led the New York Knicks to want to re-sign Mark Jackson. 2001, a couple years down the line. So eventually he was traded to the Knicks and signed there, played there for a couple more years. That was where he saw, uh, dropped his 12,000th point. Um, huge NBA accomplishment to just score 12,000 points in the NBA shows longevity, period. But not only did he score his 12,000 points in 2003 when he was playing on the Jazz, he actually recorded his 10,000th assist. So, yeah, that I mean, I can't even begin to quantify how amazing that is. That double-double stat is something very rare. Very very rarely do people make it to um, double digits, like tens of thousands of points in the NBA period. But to hit that in, in two different categories that are quintessential to the game, um as a undersized guard is very very special and like i said he's not only one of the best assists like assisting point guards ever he's the second best like john stockton mark jackson point blank period so mark jackson's a very very solid point guard and because of his skills having um, made it through the league eventually uh, yeah after the jazz and stuff kind of petered down left the league um but because of this he was given a chance later to come come back as a coach he was obviously very savvy you could see that throughout his game play as a point guard um and so when a team was looking for a, a strong defensively minded coach he was able to come in and eventually start coaching the warriors in 2011 i believe so it was like eight years later he came back and he was coaching the warriors so let's talk a little bit about that his time at the warriors how he built up that team and why he's not there today (laughs) So from 2007, or 2008, I'm sorry, to 2011, the Warriors were trash. I mean, honestly, like I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. They're kind of trash. They were like 27th in the league. I think they had a total of like 91 wins and 152 losses over those three seasons. Um, Yeah, they were not very strong so it was time for a change um they did have a couple small bright spots they had like stephen jackson they had like um trying to think jamal crawford they just they just drafted steph curry in 2009 and during that time mark jackson was actually a he was like sportscaster so he was calling games and he had seen Steph Curry at Davidson called a game for him his junior year or Steph's last year his junior year at Davidson and Mark Jackson was applying for head coach positions in the NBA and then in 2011 the Warriors made probably some of their smartest business in history they signed Mark Jackson and drafted Klay Thompson so Mark Jackson was already a coach who was previously aware of the talents that the Warriors had, um, as well as their deficits. He knew that they were very poor defensively, and he vowed to not only make them a very strong defensive team, but to make them playoff contenders. I, I had mentioned earlier that, the, that this Warriors team had only made it to the playoffs like once in the 19 years prior to Mark Jackson. Getting there. Um, So, for him to get there and promise to turn them around to a consistently contending playoff team that was amazing at defense, that's like a complete and opposite 180 from the current culture of the Warriors, or at least that they currently had. And he was able to do it. He came in after the first year. It was like definitely a little bit rocky. He was still trying to kind of get everybody flowing um, into the system. However, after that first year he was able to get them into the playoffs that second year his second year in charge they were in the playoffs third year in charge in the playoffs and mind you mark jackson only was in charge of the warriors for three years so in those three years he was able to do exactly what he told them they were able to do his second year the that first time them making it to the playoffs in like 19 years they were fourth they were the fourth ranked defensive team in the league only right after like a super tough like there's like indiana chicago a couple other teams above them and these like chicago that was joe king noah derrick rose like bully ball tough defense chicago and so for the warriors to come up with a team that like they did not look like they were nearly as rough and tough as the chicago boys and still be consistently on par with them was really showing the the strong coaching ability of mark jackson he got everybody on that warriors team to buy into defense and to play defense as a team and to play defense every single possession to give their all every single possession and that's something they were not doing before they they were committed to the showy the flashiness with stephen jackson jamal crawford being able to score goals but i mean not score goals score points Um, and now it's still that's still what they were able to do they're still able to score points they're still getting up threes and they're still flashy and fun that, that the the fans had grown to love but it was just in a different way it was highly highly more focused on defense and team team basketball moving the basketball quicker and all of that came from mark jackson's experience having been in the league he understood the way point guard should move and set up his team he understood the movement that could get his point guards open to shoot those threes and he knew that Steph Curry was a great shooter like I'd said he had seen Steph Curry at Davidson so there was a quote where Mark Jackson had said um, that he believes that all these three-pointers are messing up the game of basketball and that was kind of the the beginning of the end for him and it later on I mean there's so many so many different interviews after where he Mark Jackson says like he wasn't hating on Steph Curry. He wasn't trying to say stuff's bad or plays bad or anything like that. What he's saying is that these guys have a particular talent, a God given talent that not everybody has the same ability to do and so you have to find your own niche and make that work for you in basketball LeBron James isn't the same three-point shooter that Steph that Stephen Curry is but Stephen Curry isn't the same transition dunker that LeBron is so they master what they master and they get better at it that's what Mark Jackson was saying and in, in that quote where he said that threes were ruining the game of basketball quote-unquote anyways um yeah so as a as a coach who was doing really well um people were beginning to like the the Warriors team was beginning to starting to get some people behind it they were beginning to do really well they're making it to the playoffs consistently people were beginning to rally behind them and stuff um however there was like a little bit of stuff going on behind the scenes nobody's exactly sure what happened um At least it hasn't came out and been like explicitly stated however what people believe was that the warriors management was looking to go a different direction um they wanted to take a little bit more of an analytical and um statistic uh provided approach to the game of basketball and not to say that i mean they had the best two shooters in the world so like why not you know two three essentially what they're saying were, were three point shots had a higher chance of making it in than two-point mid-range shots and three points were worth more than two points. So why not shoot more three-pointers? Mark Jackson wasn't necessarily against that. However, he was, you know, the prototype point guard. So he still believed in playing the game the the way that he was raised and and played the game. And so when his kind of adversity, I guess, to that change in organization um, momentum and the shift, Organization kind of started to say that, and I honestly don't believe this is true. They said that nobody in the organization got along with Mark Jackson, that it's a 200 some odd man and women, woman organization and not a single person in the organization got along with him and that that was the reason they had to let him go, that he, that he was walking around just with this aura of cockiness and nobody liked him and all that other stuff. I don't believe that's true. Obviously the team liked him and the team was following him and he was able to get this team to buy in So somebody in that organization liked him and actually was listening to him You can tell the difference when a team doesn't respect their coach and these these men definitely respected their coach The training staff had to have respected their coach because they were the one implementing the practices and everything that he was doing So somewhere someone higher up very much like Charles Barkley said was not rooting for this man And made sure that after he lost his job, that word spread around the league that, hey, this guy doesn't need to be hired because of this, this, this and this. Regardless of what happened with the Warriors team back of house, what he was able to do in those three seasons, getting them from 27th defensively to fourth defensively getting them from a from not even contending to the playoffs to contending to the in the playoffs consistently that's something that very rarely happens like that's why i also talked about frank i compared him to frank Reichard. their ability to step in and to immediately make an impact and change and bring back a solid team to from the brinks of mediocrity to back to the holy land where we know them is something that's not common It typically takes three to four years for something like this to happen if you look at teams in the barclays premier league like your brentford watford southampton stuff like that if you look in teams in the nba like your memphis grizzlies your oklahoma cities um your new orleans pelicans these years these teams took years half a decade trying to rebuild these guys were able to come in as a coach and within a year changed the impact of the entire culture of their team from mediocrity to winning championships. That's why we're talking about these guys today. So yeah, going back to Mark Jackson, I'm sorry I get off on tangents, but um, as I was saying, Mark Jackson wasn't perfect. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, same with Frank Reichardt. Frank Reichardt wasn't perfect. Yes, I do think because Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson all got the chance to cut their teeth under him, and now you're able to see the success that these players were able to get, I I do think he deserves another chance. But let's be real. Steph Curry wouldn't be the same Steph Curry today were he not unleashed from that prototype point guard um, prison that Mark Jackson had him in. Uh, Draymond Green wouldn't be the same Draymond Green had he still been playing small forward like he was under Mark Jackson. So there definitely were things that could have been tweaked, could have been changed. Maybe Mark Jackson could have taken some more advice from the people around him. But do I think that that deserves him getting blackballed from the NBA? No. Frank Reichardt. I think Frank Reichardt had some amazing seasons with Barcelona, amazing with Netherlands. He's done amazing stuff. And yes, he maybe did slow down on the gas pedal a little bit. But do I think that he has to be shipped off to Turkey or to the MLS, which in soccer are typically like two, quote unquote, retirement leagues? No, I don't think he needs to be in a retirement league. Give him an actual chance to learn and to grow. Coaching isn't something that you can easily just fall into because it's an entirely different aspect to understand how to do something and how to explain something to someone so then that they can replicate it and do it. So... That's enough. I'm not going to bore you guys all day. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. This is just a little bit of a comparison talking about um, Frank Reichardt, one of the most inspirational managers who created the most beautiful Barcelona team that we have ever seen, comparing his career and impact on the game to Mark Jackson, who created one of the most notable NBA dynasties to date. So... Thank you for listening. This is Coaching Confidence, and I hope to see you next week.